0: Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio.
1: Welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with Michael Tellinger. Michael, I've got to ask you about the Anunnaki. The late Zechariah Sitchin, of course, believed that they came down here, seeded us so they could work us for gold extraction in Samaria, modern-day Iraq. But what about South Africa? What about the possibilities that the Anunnaki ended up there too and might be part of this uh, vanished civilization?
0: That's a very very important question and one that comes up quite often and you're spot on there uh, George. This is we have overwhelming evidence, unquestionable overwhelming evidence that the Anunnaki were not just here but they were they were here present in large numbers doing unimaginable amounts of gold mining. And that even yesterday, literally as recent as yesterday, I've got new information, new research that absolutely shows the fingerprints of the Anunnaki uh, all over Southern Africa, ancient gold mines, uh, the stone circle ruins, uh, that they were possibly and most likely the architects of the stone circles as a giant um, energy generating grid for all kinds of things. Uh, The big question remains that we should come back to is what were the sun circles for? What did they need so much energy
1: right, for? Right.
0: But uh, to come back to the gold mining, you know, we have so many ancient gold mines in Southern Africa and South Africa, South Africa and Zimbabwe especially. Um, it's unbelievable. And the stories, and I'm finding more and more stories in folklore and oral tradition handed down about tunnels and ancient mines underground and the gods and the Anunnaki down here it's all over ancient history in South Africa, in the stories of the people, and um, uh, one of the biggest surprises to me was obviously Adam's calendar. Uh, we haven't discussed that yet; haven't you haven't brought that up yet? But uh, Adam's calendar is is one of the big reasons that I got together with Jan Heiner right in the beginning in two thousand um, and seven, uh, and. Sorry, are you there, George? I thought yeah.
1: I lost you. No, no, we're still here.
0: Okay. Um, Adam's calendar is why, why Johan and I got together. And uh, the, the uh, Adam's calendar turned out to be possibly one of the, the, the most important um, um, places on Earth. It is a, it is what I call the, the oldest working sun calendar on Earth. And a uh, very, very important place. It is, a machine, it is unquestionably generates huge amounts of energy. It generates more energy than the sun circles do. It is a giant toroidal field, energy generating uh, machine. And for many years, we are wondering why it was positioned there. Now, keep in mind that Adam's calendar is in line with the Great Zimbabwe in the north, further north, uh, about 500 miles north, and then uh, the Great Pyramid of Giza, even further up, right across at the northern tip of Africa. So you got this line, the 31 degrees east longitudinal line, which is often called the Nilotic Meridian, and you got the Great Pyramid, you got Great Zimbabwe, and you got Adam's Calendar all along the same line. This obviously is not by accident. This must have happened for a very specific reason. And um, and uh, what what we didn't realize until very recently is that. Um, the positioning of Adam's calendar was very, very highly strategic and important in the big scheme of things.
1: And some say that um, Michael, it might be 75,000 years old. Do you think it could be that old?
0: Oh well, that was that was what I originally um, thought it was when, when I first started to research it with Johann in 2007 and 2008, those are the numbers that we're putting down because you know already 75,000 years in those days, Seems very old, but and, uh, we've now concluded it's a lot older than that. It's it's oh my around three hundred thousand years old. Wow! It's, it's around three hundred thousand years old.
1: It, uh, so we we now go ahead, George. You wh- 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 why do they call it Adam's calendar?
0: Well, that's just the name that I gave it. Um, you know, when I met Johann, Johann had discovered that site uh, by accident about four years before he met me, and he was once again he was trying to bring it to the attention of all the universities, all the archaeologists and historians, and they just they just weren't interested. Uh, and then I met Johan and, and everything changed. I then very quickly wrote a book about it, about the story of how he discovered it, and then started to research it and started to realize that there's so much more to the site than meets the eye. At that stage, it was just called the calendar. Um, and uh, then I, I started to realize that this, is, this has got profound um, connections to... Ancient civilizations in southern Africa, and most likely goes back to to the very early times of, of the, the origins of humankind. And you know, at that stage, there was already decades of talk that southern Africa was a cradle of humankind, and that the first humans uh, suddenly appear on Earth here, and then they moved out of Africa. The whole out of Africa theory, which I, I no longer believe, that's a whole another debate. Mm-hmm. There was definitely. There was definitely a, a creation of, of a species here. There's no question about it. But it wasn't just here. The creation of species seems to have happened all over the world at different times in history. Um, but I called it Adam's Calendar. That was my name that I gave it because okay. I realized it was most likely connected to, to the origins of humankind. And Adam, you know, remains the. The, the name we give the first humans. So that's why it's called Adam. Well, name.
1: can you imagine if it's really that old, what uh, this planet must have been like? I mean, they have miscalculated, the archaeologists on our planet have miscalculated uh, ancient sites uh, tremendously, haven't they?
0: No, completely. What I'd like to suggest to your listeners is that put aside everything you believe about human history— the, the the visions and the images that we've been given by mainstream history, mainstream you know, academia, the the beautifully edited and sterilized versions of our history in the history books, and and, and even some of the the, the more um, even some of the more out of the box and, and weird and extraordinary ideas of human history and the history of the world. My my conclusion after especially after discovering the things in 2018 that I'll, I think we'll talk about next hopefully, uh, that the the history of our world and the history of our species is so far removed from what we imagine it to be, that it is probably a lot closer to the mythology that we've been taught, the mythology that we know about from ancient civilizations. All those stories are most likely a lot closer Mm -hmm. to the real history of the world, the real events that took place, and the history of, of our species, the human race as well.
1: And then let's talk about these giants. Where do you think they fit into the equation here? Biblically speaking? Um,
0: well, the giants are the giants are, um, are a big story. So obviously all ancient cultures talk about the giants. The Bible talks about the giants. And once again, when we talk about giants, we need to specify that there's not just one giant. Like There's like 12 feet or 30 feet. There were a number of different size humanoids and creatures as well, animals. We know about the dinosaurs, right? So some of the dinosaurs are really huge, very large. I think there were creatures that were even much larger than the dinosaurs that we can't even imagine. The dragons, the flying dragons, yeah, these are all real. You know, stop believing that this is some theoretical fantasy. These are all real things, real historical events, and this is why people spoke about it. This is why they spoke about it. They even wrote about it and some of the some of the ancient texts, but the oral tradition, handed down oral tradition for thousands of years, is probably much closer to the truth, well, not probably, is much closer to the truth than any of of the modern history books, as I mentioned. But um, the giants, what, what we have here, and especially in my museum, I have evidence of giants that range from, and when I say evidence, I'm talking about petrified, fossilized body parts. All right, and this is a big discovery that I made in January 2018 when I realized that many of the stones that I've been collecting from our museum, the Stone Circle Museum, uh, please go to my website and check out the Stone Circle Museum. It will blow your mind. So um, what what I realized is that we have different body parts of different creatures and also humanoids that range from about you know, 12 feet to 15 feet to 30 feet uh, I'm just converting to meters. Let me say it in meters because, um, uh, you know, 10 meters, um, 40 meters, 80 meters, 150 meters, 300 meters. And uh, that's probably as big as we go, that, that we have evidence of fossilized body parts that are either in the museum or lying on the mountain tops and scattered around us among the stone circle ruins and in various sites near the giant footprint. You know, the giant footprint in South Africa that you people will see on my website, uh, that's a, that's one of the best examples of giants in human history. And, and how that footprint was made is a fantastic story. I've told that story many times, uh, how you can leave a footprint in what is today granite. Because, like you said, George, what we think we know about our human history, what we think we know about geology, is so far removed from the truth that it boggles the mind. The geological formations around us, are not necessarily formed the way that geologists or geology tells us. Everything is connected to electromagnetic fields and electricity and magnetism. And this is what I had to learn and study, and I guess I'm a bit of an expert in this now, the process of fossilization and petrification and metamorphosis, going from a piece of meat and a leg of a creature or a heart of a creature, and how that can turn to stone literally in the blink of an eye, what's, what's often referred to as instant fossilization or instant petrification. And this is a, this is one of the greatest discoveries uh, in the last five years, is realizing that how how petrification can happen literally in the blink of an eye.
1: Interesting. Now, did you say 300 meters tall? 300 meters, it'll be 1,000 feet, yeah. Oh my God! And, and,
0: and the, I mean, if we have hearts and bones and leg bones and and knuckles of giant bones that are being sawn off, that are lying all over the place. Um, the there's a very fascinating story. Now we you know obviously we work with I work with with mainstream science and and using really advanced technology for doing measurements and analysis and so forth. And obviously, having a medical background, I have a, a pretty good understanding of human anatomy and what the, what the human body looks like, what the organs look like, so what they would look like inside your body or outside the body. So my medical background plays an important role in some of these discoveries. And, and what I find fascinating is when, when people from the medical profession come and visit me and they come to the Sun Circle Museum and they see these displays, the medical people are the first ones that always freak out because they can immediately see that this is a heart. That is a split heart. You can see the septum, the ventricles, oh. the heart muscles, you know, the, 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 the coronal arteries and so forth, and the aorta coming out. So the medical profession people recognize it immediately. They see that it's a root. They can see that this is a finger or a tooth and so forth. And it's just that people that don't have that background that, that, that are often more skeptical. And, and this is the bridge that we still need to cross somehow. And, well, we're crossing it quite quickly.
1: Where does the Great Flood of Noah fit into all of this, Michael? Uh, it fits into
0: smack bang right into the middle of it. Because if it wasn't for a giant movement of water and a giant deposit of mud and a movement of mud because of a movement of water, this petrification and this fossilization would not have happened. So, so the the giant flood, Noah's flood, the biblical flood, and many other floods that probably came over hundreds of thousands and millions of years, are are indicative of the or, or the, let's put it this way: the, the petrified body parts, the fossilized body parts, are indicative of floods happening at different times, and uh, and. I think that we've had more than one flood. There have been several floods, and we certainly find evidence of it here. Many years ago already, I found sea sand. We find sea sand everywhere here, sea sand, and and also sand, the remains of gold mining activity. So there's two differences here. So you find gold mining sand, the remains of what we call mine dumps in South Africa. The whole city of Johannesburg is pretty much built on the remains of the yellow sand that remains after gold mine. The processing is done. They just dump the sand in piles and piles of this yellow sand, and so you see that all over the place. And very quickly, that's what you see all all below Adam's Calendar. That in a giant Barberton crater, which has been thought to be a crater, is not a crater. It's it's not neither a crater nor nor a, a volcano. It's actually an ancient giant gold mine that is filled with this leftover yellow sand from, from gold mining. And this is why Adam's calendar was placed right on the edge of it, so they could then beam off the gold to wherever the hell they were beaming it out, because Adam's calendar is a giant machine, a portal, a teleportation device or something. I jumped tracks there a little bit, but just this is why this is also important and it's all, all connected. So sometimes, uh, some time ago, we found fossilized fish and sea sand in the stone circles on top of mountains. So we know that, that sand and water has, has moved across here, but it's only with the discovery of the fossils that are often, often referred to as mud fossils that it became evident that this this movement of mud from something like the flood must have covered all these mountains at some stage. And then all these body parts of these creatures, whether it was the giants, whether it was you know humanoids and, and reptilians and whatever. This is what are we finding now, because that mud trapped all those bones and body parts and, and so forth in, in the mud. And then all it needs is electricity, and that comes in the form of lightning. You know, one lightning strike just puts so much electricity into the ground, it just turns all that stuff into stone that's trapped in the mud.